Welcome back once again, everybody, to another episode of Always More Wednesday of Crossing the Jordan. And guess what we're going to be talking about today? Mama Mary. Again, I, we just can't get enough of her, right? So uh, there's so much more. All right, so we're going to be talking about today about the miraculous birth of Jesus so um, there's two prophecies of the birth of the Messiah and specifically the mother of the Messiah in the Old Testament. One of them is in Isaiah 66, 7. This was a, um, uh, a prophecy that the mother of the Messiah would experience painless birth. So she would not have any birth pangs uh, giving birth to the Messiah. And so this is, which is miraculous and unprecedented, which is a uh, foreshadowing of the new creation, right? So Isaiah 66, 7 is prophesying that the Messiah would come to a, vir- to a virgin, be born miraculously with no childbirth in the act of the new, in, uh, in the new creation, right? Because women would not experience such pain in the new creation as in the first creation through sin, birth came in, uh, birth pangs came in. And so uh, a lot of t- our first century ears a lot of times think that um, we just hear birth pangs and the, pa- the pains along with giving childbirth is just natural because we're just so used to it. But in the Jewish context, uh, all through Judaism, but uh, like even in the first century when all this was being, or uh, in the you know hundreds of years before the first century when Isaiah was prophesying this, was that um, birth pangs were specifically tied to sin because guess what was one of the very first things that happened right after the disobedience and the fall of Adam and Eve? God says, I will uh, like uh, allow childbirth to be extremely hard. Like the, giving birth, there's going to be severe birth pains and birth pangs uh, of, of women. And so in the new creation, this Messiah would bring uh, that women would no longer experience um, this birth pang. So that's one prophecy of the birth of the Messiah being miraculous in the sense that there's no uh, pain uh, in a, in a uh, foreshadowing of the new creation. But there's also, and it seems like a contradictory uh, prophecy that happens in Micah chapter 5, verse 2 through 3. And this is also about the mother of the Messiah. But guess what this one says? It has an image of the mother of the Messiah having birth pangs. So let's actually like read that really quick. Really quick. So back in Isaiah uh, 66, 7, that was the first prophecy about the mother of the Messiah not having birth pangs. And so let's read that, read that really quick. So before it says this in verse 7, before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came upon her, she was delivered of a son. And so it says right here that there's going to be a miraculous birth, that before she's even in labor, she's going to give birth. And before her pain came upon her, she was delivered of a son. So she actually gave birth with no pains. Uh, and it actually kind of foreshadows kind of like what this next prophecy is going to get into in Micah about the mother of the Messiah uh, actually having birth pangs, right? So uh, let's go to Micah chapter 5. We're going to get there. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. This is what it says. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, you are little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who was 
she who has labor pains has brought forth. Then the rest of his brethren shall return to the sons of Israel. So it sounds like the mother of the Messiah is going to have birth pangs, but also just kind of another foreshadowing of what we're actually going to dive into in a second. But it says the rest of his brethren shall return on the sons of Israel. And guess what? We're the brethren of Jesus, the Messiah. And so how do you reconcile how do we reconcile those two prophecies right so sticking to the 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 Micah chapter 5 prophecy of the mother of the Messiah having birth pangs so the prophets of the old testament use imagery of a woman's birth pangs to symbolize the time of intense suffering that will precede the coming of the king and the resurrection of the dead You'll see that in Micah chapter 4, Isaiah 26, and Jeremiah 30. So after this time of anguish, the people of Israel will return to the promised land, and the king himself will reign over a universal kingdom that will spread to the ends of the earth, according to Micah uh, chapter 5, verse 4. So both of these images of Isaiah not having, uh, the mother of the Messiah not having birth pangs in Isaiah, and the mother of the Messiah having birth pangs in Micah, both of these images of birth pangs of the Messiah's mother reoccurs in two key places, the Gospel of John and in the book of Revelation in the New Testament. So we see, let's start out with, with uh, Revelation in chapter 12, verse 2. Is, it's, symbolic of, it's a symbolic depiction of what Mary suffered at Calvary. So uh, let's actually flip there and just read it really quick. Revelation 12, 2. So if you flip to the back of your Bibles... 12.2, she was with child and she cried out in her pangs of birth in anguish for delivery. So it's a symbolic depiction of Mary suffered at Calvary. And it sounds like it's, the, it's a, uh, a literal description of her birth pangs of the Messiah here on earth, right? But it's on Calvary and this is why. The word used to describe anguish, torment, which is Greek, bazanizo, of the Messiah's mother is, is normally used to describe the ordinary pains of a woman in labor. In the New Testament, Apocrypha, or any of the writings of the Church Fathers, there is not a single case in which that verb, that, that Greek word, Greek verb I just said, bazanizo, is used to refer to the pains of childbirth. The word used in Revelation, the word of that we just read in Revelation, is actually used to describe torment or torture. So it describes the sufferings of the mother of the Messiah strongly suggests that Revelation is employing the language of symbolism. The imagery of birth pangs is being utilized to refer to the tribulations at the end of the age. Immediately after the birth, the, uh, in Revelation, if you continue down, right after the birth, in that uh, verse 2, the child is caught up to God and to his throne, in Revelation 12.5. So, it's symbolic of a description of Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven, right? And him being seated at the right hand of the Father. That's pretty clear, right? So like he, the mother of the Messiah just gave birth, and then he's all of a sudden caught up to God's throne. Well, it must be symbolic, right? Because it, and it symbolizes Jesus' death, resurrection, ascension into heaven. And so, uh, so in Revelation of the woman in anguish is directly paralleled with the painless birth prophecy that we read in Isaiah 66-7. So the mother of the Messiah was in labor, and the Greek word for that is Oda Nisan. Woman in heaven in labor in Revelation is the same word, Oda Nisa. And then the mother of the Messiah escapes, or exophagin, uh, that we read in Isaiah, 
And then the one in Revelation, it's the woman in heaven escaped. Ephigen. And those are both the same Greek words. The mother of the Messiah in, in Isaiah gave birth to a male. And it's Etikin Arsen. The woman in heaven bore a male son in Revelation. Etikin Huon Arsen. The same uh, Greek verbiage that's directly referenced to that painless birth prophecy of Isaiah 66-7. So, Right there, it's showing us that this is an apocalyptic depiction of the mystery of the cross and the pains of childbirth correspond to what Mary suffered at Calvary, right? So, and this is, uh, and, really, and now we go, uh, that was Revelation tied to Isaiah, but also now we want to move to the Gospel of John, where we just said that there's another connection here. So Jesus himself uses the image of the woman who suffers in childbirth as a metaphor for his coming, passion, death, and resurrection in John 16, 16, and 20 through 22. And just a little correction. It starts in, uh, um, yeah, start that whole story of sorrow will turn into joy in John 16, 16. But if you go down starting in uh, around verse 20, um, so John 16, 16, and then John 16, 20 through 22. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is in labor, she has pain, because her hour has come. But when she is delivered of the child, she no longer remembers the anguish, for joy that a child is born into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice. So, um, yeah, so, all right. So the connections there between... Uh, the woman's labor and Jesus drawing a direct connection with uh, a woman's childbirth and his passion, death, and resurrection. So he uses the the woman's labor as his like a reference to his crucifixion. He references childbirth, at, or he called it the woman's hour, as his passion, Jesus's hour. He referenced the woman in labor pains, how she has sorrow, referencing his death, which brings sorrow or uh, uh, death brings sorrow. And then um, he references the woman who gives delivery. She has joy. And he references he's referencing his resurrection brings joy, right? And so this is a direct reference of a woman suffering childbirth. And you see, and guess what Mary is? She is the woman at the cross in John 19, right? So Jesus even calls her woman, behold your son. And just like Jesus called her woman at the wedding of Cana, she is the the, the woman promised of Genesis 3.15. She is the new Eve. And that same reference to the woman in Revelation, that same author who wrote the Gospel of John writes it in Revelation that she is the woman. And so Mary, because she um, is connected to her son Jesus, Mary suffered at the foot of the cross in a very unique way so that the death of Jesus becomes her, hours as w- her hour as well. So the hour of her motherly anguish and sorrow. And so um, so just to kind of bring all of this together, we see in the Old Testament two prophecies. One prophecy of Mary, of mother of the Messiah, Mary, not experiencing birth pangs. And then the other one saying that she's experiencing birth pangs. Well, we see uh, hints of it in the Gospels that she did give a miraculous birth because there's usually a, uh, a midwife, but she just um, she doesn't have one. She just gives birth, and there she is with, with, the, with Jesus, and she herself takes care of him in swaddling, swaddling cloths, right, by herself. But um, And then also at the foot of the cross, 
this is like when she actually gives birth and she gives birth to all of her children through Jesus's passion, death and resurrection that we become children of God in. And we see that uh, in Revelation, she's the woman that suffers birth pangs after Calvary, after Jesus's death and resurrection. And so um, that uh, Mary is, she gave a miraculous birth to Jesus, but she also had child pains, her hour for giving birth to her offspring, all of all people that uh, bear testimony to Jesus and keep God's commandments according to Revelation 12, I believe verse 17. And so this is the miraculous birth as a sign that is meant to point forward to the even more miraculous exiting of the risen Jesus from the tomb. So actually in the Old Testament, they would even reference the like a tomb as like a woman, like a woman's womb, right? And so Jesus, uh, it's always like, we always think that somebody like rolled away the, the stone and Jesus like walked out after the stone is rolled out. But actually, if you read it carefully, uh, he just, he walked out without that stone being moved. And uh, then the angel rolled it back or the people rolled it back and saw that the, the tomb was empty. And that is a direct, exactly, exactly what happened with Mary, that her womb was, it's a miraculous birth. She never had child uh, bearing pangs specifically with Jesus the, in the new creation, but she did have birth pangs in the sense that she went to uh, her heart being so united, just as the Simeon prophesied and back in Luke when she's dedicating Jesus in the temple, is that he blesses both Mary and Joseph, but he only turns to Mary and says, and a sword also your soul will be pierced by. And so this is when her heart is pierced. Her hour is coming as a, as a mother. She is watching her divine son be crucified and, and was killed brutally. And he is in it completely innocent. But for God's will, he reconciled uh, all of humanity back to God. And Mary experiences that childbirth pangs of giving birth to all of the Christians that we are made children of. Uh, in Jesus by. So I hope that helps just another piece of the depths of scripture of the woman in Revelation seeing being seen as Mary from her at the cross in John uh, uh, 19. Specifically, she is the woman prophesied, the mother of the Messiah that was prophesied to have painless childbirths to the Messiah, but she had birth pangs to all of her children, which are all Christians that give testimony to Jesus and keep God's commandments. So I pray you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you soon. God bless.